This show is part of the Darkmore Podcast Network. To join our community Discord or see more content from our members, visit darkmorepodcasts.com. My name is Joe, I'm the Dungeon Master for this campaign, and this is Advantage. Last time in episode 2.4, our four heroes followed an underground creek down deep into the caverns below the cusp. The aquifer seemed to dead end at a basin, but the party managed to find a way forward requiring a blind dive below the surface into another chamber. The group was able to help Allril brave his trauma of submersion, partially encouragement and partially a literal push. They found themselves then in a pool of blood, a still viscous and warm memory from the king that crawls agony millennia ago. The party is beginning to feel the psychological pressures of the Underdark. And that's where we'll pick up. Ready to play some D and D, please. <laughs> All right, so you're walking through the underdark, carefully over slippery stones and ducking under boxwork and such, and you see an eerie figure at the edge of the torch's light. Three skulls stacked in a tower at the top of a boulder. They've been picked clean of flesh. Their white color cuts through the darkness. All real stops. That's a little macabre. Any ideas on whose skulls these are? I'm honestly not sure that I want an answer to that, all real. Can we tell, like, race based on our distance? Should we get closer? You, Grimpton, could probably tell. They're dwarven. Mm. I definitely get closer. I'd like to take these skulls, Joe. Um, You pick them up and you're able to absolutely determine that, like, the subtleties of the head shape uh, confirm that they're long dead dwarven skulls. Uh, give me a medicine Jeez. check and see if you can spot any, like, damage. Seven. They're dead. These were dwarves. They're dead now, but I think it's better for them to be buried in her dearth where we're going than to be left should, here to rot. Should we take a bunch of skulls on the side of the road? What? To mean that we're going towards danger? Give me an insight um, roll. I mean... I will give you an insight roll, and then I'll also give you my opinion. Make your roll a survival check, Ulrich. Fifteen. This stack of skulls reminds you of a rock cairn where stones are placed on top of one another. Uh, these towers, sometimes very grand, sometimes very small, uh, mark important places or provide direction like a trailblaze. Uh, Alaris, what was your insight? An eleven. You can deduce that these are probably markers of some sort and that they have a purpose. That seems bad. They might just be like a warning. These skulls are, clearly they are not natural, like just to be stacked here like this. Honestly, I'm not really convinced that it's a warning any more than just being in the Underdark is. Everything down here is scary and dark and macabre. And this could yeah. be just as obvious, like an obvious, like you're going the right way as it could be a warning. 
and I but, don't know. So, well, no, because like this is an indicator for sure. Yeah, but what but what I'm saying is, if I am a good person or the way that we want to go to get out of here, I'm not gonna stack a bunch of skulls up to say this is the way to go. If I am a scary demon person or whatever is down here, I'm gonna stack up a bunch of skulls to be like, hey guys, look at this, more demon cool stuff down this way. <laughs> Grimton, what do you think? You have the most experience of this out of all of us. Yeah, has Grimton uh, come across something like this before? Only in relationship to other warlike groups, like Bones on Pikes are fairly standard among groups, certainly Goblins and orcs are both known for placing bones and effigies of uh, decapitated enemies along their claimed borders. So you mm-hmm. could probably understand that it's a border of some sort. All this is to say uh, these skulls as they were here is to mark a territory. We do not know whether those will be friendly, the ones we meet on the other side. More than likely not, as these are dwarven skulls and, well, we are dwarves, he says, pointing to... Briston and Herrick, we can try the other direction. I doubt it'll be any better. I say we press on. Yeah, I... Give me perception checks. Seven. Gosh, dang it. Thirteen. Twelve. Twenty-one. Alara says you search for more clues. Uh, You come across a foul smell, and you're able to trace it to a mural on a boulder which is painted with dried blood and feces. A pair of eyes with a scaled eyebrow uh, on the painting sit above a toothy reptilian mouth. Uh, Grimton, can you come take a look at this? Sure, Lars. I think it's safe to assume we're advancing further into Troglodyte territory here. So we probably want to go the other way. Unless this is the way through to her nurse. Briston says, I mean, we took care of the troglodytes earlier pretty easily. And coincidentally, if there were dwarfs this direction, we're probably heading in the right direction. Mm. I guess that's fair. I don't feel like any of this is a good option, so we should just go. Give me a general intelligence roll. Uh, uh, 16. 17. Uh, 15. 20. Okay, okay, we all feel pretty smart. <laughs> Grimton and Alaris, especially, since you're, you're right there, you look in the direction that those skulls were originally facing Grimton. Yeah. And if you were to f- have followed the skull Karen's gaze, uh, you look and see a dark, deep crack in the wall. And as you walk toward it, you see footprints and blood leading out of a fissure and into the tunnel headed into the, some direction you were heading. You also notice a bluish-green light reflecting off of the dried blood painted on the walls of the passage. Mm. Shall we? A bluish-green light that looked like a like the same greenish light of a sunrod? Morlinde, you might recognize this. Give me a nature check. Just Morlinde? I mean, everybody can. Glad I'm trained in that. Uh, 15. Yeah, you definitely recognize the particular hue as reminiscent of bioluminescent fungus. Mmm. Alas, something that's actually kind of natural. It looks like um, some fungus that glows, which is a, a pleasant surprise down here way in the Underdark. So we'll at least have some light. Yeah. If we want to go through the fissure yeah i I feel like it's like not inherently evil or terrible so i'd rather go that way you want to go through the blood fissure 
Wait, it's bloody? I just thought it was glowing. <laughs> the blood trail came out of it. Ah, all of you give me perception checks. Both of them or all of them? I rolled a nat one. All of you. 19. 17. Morlinde, as as Alaris says this, you look closer and you see many sets of footprints coming in and out of this particular cave. There are layers of traffic that have been here, primarily coming and going from the direction that you are headed toward uh, on the main highway. Oh. If you give me a survival check, you might be able to deduce the timing of these footprints. A survival check? 13? There's... Definitely a base layer of reptilian footprints with four toes tipped with sharp claws. Above that is a fairly fresh set of boot prints headed into the passageway. On top of that is another layer of boot prints headed out of the same cavern, followed by a plethora of reptilian footprints headed in the same direction. They appear to be close together, indicating that they were walking. This is clearly a heavily trafficked area. There's a lot of reptilian footprints, but also some boot prints. So lots of different kinds of people are walking this way. Well, that's a good indicator that it's the right way then. Yeah, it seems it seems trafficked is, at least. This is a main road, not a not an offshoot. Yeah. Shall we press on? I mean, do we want to go where the people reptilians are, are going? <laughs> we need to stick to main roads. We don't know this well enough to try back roads. That is true. Grimton, you know that this would be more of a back road than oh, the not? King's Highway. Oh, I thought this was part of the King's Highway. This is a cavern off to the side of the oh. King's Highway. Oh. You're like taking a side street. But I think that they're talking about the that leading to the highly trafficked area that we are currently on, which is the King's Highway, and just mm-hmm. continuing down the way we were going. I want to stay on the main road. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. I think Grimton, more so than anything else, is concerned that there may still be dwarves. Like, yeah, if there's something bad happening to them, he wants to at least check it out and see what's in the in the cavern. All right, let's go down the spooky cavern. It's all a spooky cavern down here. <laughs> Joe was bound to get a side quest in at some point. Grimton, as you're, you're leading the way, give me an investigation roll as you go through the tunnel. Six. Uh, eventually, you enter a room that is stories tall and smells of rich, tilled soil and at the same time, fertilizer collected at the gong farms back in Havenmere. Before you is a colossal fortress of various species of fungi. Mushrooms and polypore shelves are bound together, eating away at something huge beneath layers of decomposition. This ecosystem seems stable and is obviously flourishing. Various stalks and caps of these ghost fungi cast out blue and green light tentacles reach out into the open darkness as if trying to pull the whole mass forward through the cave system. There's a lot of life in here. I would like to roll a nature check. Four. (laughs) You've never seen anything like this before. (laughs) Auric stands in awe of the light and and honest beauty, like the beauty of the scene. Because this light is stark in the darkness um, and a change from the bloody scene that they just left to something that seems more natural to them. The, the 
strong and constant, but muted blue-green hue of bioluminescence. Morlinde, do you know if are these fungus okay? Uh, I'm gonna do a nature check to find out, but my instinct Last is that Last time I stabbed are. a mushroom and it blew up. He also yelled and at you. Grimton was casually dying and we had no idea. Yeah, I rolled a 17 for a nature check. I mean, this is ecology at its finest. Mm-hmm. Multiple entities are working together in harmony, growing together as this single colony. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So you're able, as you're looking for poisonous things, you're able to identify a unique array of mushrooms. One large three-foot diameter cap, or casts an eerie light, uh, a cap being like the, the yeah, domey the things, dome right? Yeah, the dome of a mushroom, yeah. It looks porous, ready to unleash a violent necrotic spore. Uh, that one. That one isn't so good. Don't touch that one. Which one? Grimton, give me a religion check. 15. See the one like glowing in an extra weird way? Ari gives it a wide berth. Good. Grimton, you you know that troglodytes are known to worship the king who crawls and sacrifice beings to him. And that this structure could provide, uh, this, this whole fortress of fungi could provide many means of torture and death for those who know its secrets. It would make a damn good place to live, in fact, if that was your thing. This mushroom in particular... Uh, is surrounded by bones and what could be uh, the remnants of sacrifices past. This is an altar of sorts to the king who crawls. The troglodytes like to have sacrifices for him on occasion, and I think this is where they come to torture and kill them. That's less nice. So should we not be here then, is what you're telling me? There's definitely a lot of things here that could cause us harm. Alaris would like to press to digitate a picture of the scene, like the beautiful scenery, and put it on the mirrored page and then trace the picture. That's so cool. For Maylin, I love that. That is cool. Roll performance. <laughs> it's gonna oh. come out looking like a stick figure. <laughs> you can roll with advantage because you're tracing it. Okay. I, I was, I'm mostly focusing on like the wooing of the performance, not your ability of sure. art. A 21. Nice. You're somehow able to convey the grandness of this space onto the page. Uh, while you're at it, give me an arcana check. Um, that's going to be a 22. As you're pondering this space, Alaris, um, you feel it team with energy, specifically necrotic energy. And you know that necromancy is not necessarily evil, but it just deals with the line between life and death. Hmm. There's a there's some necrotic energies about not necessarily concerning, but just something else to note. Give me a history check as well, Alaris. And Grimton. An eighteen. One. Yeah. <laughs> so Alaris. Alaris, when thinking about your necromantic studies in a class somewhere you and learning about fungi and whatever you recall tales of fungal entities coming together and binding into a single structure that has no central heart or brain but is nonetheless a real but vague awareness of itself and grows slowly but surely and sometimes these structures will traverse through the honeycombed passageways of cave systems conforming to the narrow tunnels 
I think this place is alive. What do you mean alive? Uh... Like, as in more of a sentient way. I remember once studying a class where a group of fungus like this could become a hive mind in a way and just grow throughout the entire, like, cave system. So then it'll feel pain as we burn it down. Normally I'm not that aggressive, but, like, I'm on, I'm on Grimton's side for that one. This is still sentient or not. A place where people come to get slaughtered for the king that crawls. Uh, and if possible, I would like it to not be here anymore. While I agree with you, Grimton, I also think we should just leave well enough alone. There's so little we know about what's down here that, like, we could be upsetting a really important balance. And that could come crashing down on us. And Grimton, if you don't want people using this anymore, how about we just try to find a way to seal off the entrance instead? Or you could destroy the altar. Uh, yeah. Is there like a literal altar? I mean that cap. Oh, like the one that's about to blow? Oh. Hey. Could that have some repercussions? I wouldn't touch that. Yeah, let's not. Morlinde, how good is your aim? <laughs> I'm not touching anything in here, and I'm not throwing not, anything at anything in here. But like, if you got a, like from the outside, could you like curveball a fireball in here? Um, it's, uh... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I don't know. No. I no, don't you know, know enough about the Underdark to upset the balance of the Underdark. Yep. Grimton, if you really want to destroy the altar, we'll destroy the altar. Let's but only leave. after we get out of here. Leave if you want to. I have to do something about this. I'm a dwarf. I'll be fine. <laughs> I was going to say I'm just going to use the Unseen Servant to pop it, but... If, I if like want, that idea better. If you want to do it yourself, Grimton, for the, th the theatrics of it all, by all um, means, be my no, guest. Uh, please. It is very much... You're able to use your Paladin senses, uh, and you recognize that this is a desecrated space, Grimton. Okay. Yeah, I'm... Like, this is specifically uh, religious and anti-justice in nature. Bahamut would be pleased at your actions... Yeah, I'm definitely going to drive my radiant sword through this thing. I'm I'm going to leave the cave. Once everyone clears the room. Yeah, yeah I once... definitely, like, backed up minimum. Like This is a bad idea. You guys should probably leave. Uh, Herrick and Briston both step up with you. Looks like we got some business to take care of, eh? I would suggest you guys leave as well. I don't know how bad this thing is going to blow. Give me a persuasion check, Grimton. 16? Uh, they also rolled a 16, so you win. All right. <laughs> If you think you can handle it, then. I think I've handled worse, and you know that. That's fair. All right, let's go, bud. Briston and Herrick walk outside of the cave. So I'm going to drive my radiant sword through it. Roll me a DC 15 con saving throw. Got you. 16. <laughs> <laughs> my con save is plus six, by the way. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's quite high. As it should be. This cap explodes... And you see spores, familiar spores, in fact. Um, <laughs> More casual death released spores. released into the air. Tendrils from the, the fungi above on the ceiling of this uh, necrotic chapel room uh, like reach down into uh, where that death cap is. You could tell that if, if there was a living being on top of this altar, these tendrils would very slowly enter and then tear apart. Mm. But you're not there. You're only witnessing it. 
Is the cap sufficiently damaged that it may not be used again? Yes. So Grimton stands over it, or as he's removing his sword, and he goes, So that none may know the fate of many before you, and so that justice may reign here, where death and discord once were. Give me a perception check. I think that's a 10, Joe. No, no, that's a 12. That does not beat the... uh... 18 on the stealth check from a very large grick that comes down from the ceiling behind you and hear it thud as as it lands. It's going to make two attacks. The first one with its tail, which is going to be a uh, 19 to hit. No. Uh, The second one with its tentacles, that's going to be a 20 to hit. Nope. It lashes out and does not connect. I'm going to use my riposte so when an attack misses me... I can do a melee attack back with an extra superiority die of damage. Very cool. So I crit failed. <laughs> Quality repost. Quality repost. Yeah, do you guys hear something? Um, I, I would like to imagine that Ulrich was still peeking around the corner. I feel like we all kind of were. We didn't just leave and we're like, I hope he survives. Like, I feel like yeah. we were peeking. When can we get back in? I'll let you decide when you're coming in. Now, uh, I'd like to <laughs> run in. Hey friends, it's Joe. Glad you're here enjoying episode 2.5 with us. I don't have too much for this mid-roll other than to take a moment to appreciate the folks that keep this show going. Uh, First, thank you to our Patreon supporters who donate monthly to help us cover production costs. Those come with perks, one of which involves getting to listen to episodes live as we record them. We were delighted to get to hang out with our patron Terry when we played on Friday night. It was such a joy to get to meet him. More thank yous go to Orman Audio and Blake Bost, who have composed all of our uh, original musics. Thanks to Daniel Grayling, who did all of our graphic art, including all the maps online. If you haven't seen those new regional maps that we've put up, it will really help flesh out the world of the cusp and how the political powers are interacting with each other. Uh, That website is advantagednd.com. That's also the handle for all of our social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Pinterest, all of it. Definitely go check a look at that Pinterest site uh, where we've got a bunch of inspiration boards for regions of the map. So you can see what my mind is picturing for Kolgafir and for the Pandominion and Zadal, the Cleared Labyrinth. Um, if you can, also go to patreon.com slash advantage and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you're not on the Discord, come join our community there. The link's down in the description. This story is better with friends, and sharing the show with your pals is another easy way that you can help this community grow. All right, let's get back to the show. Thank you. Now we gotta fight the giant tentacles. It's gonna be Briston's turn who's gonna run up and attack this thing. He said, what are you doing, Grimton? You said you'd handled it. It was just a mushroom at first, says Grimton, as I guess Briston is... Gonna try to hit it. Yeah. It it was a seven. What does he get to hit? Three. Ten. Nope. Uh, He swings and misses. It's gonna be Herrick's turn. He's also gonna try to hit it with a... With his Warhammer. Sixteen? Both of these uh, attacks reflect off of the natural armor of this large Grick. 
Grimton, it's your turn. He's gonna try a pushing attack. So he's gonna do an extra die of damage, and the Grick is gonna have to make a strength save or be pushed back up to 15 feet. 26 to hit, Joe. Yeah, that hits. And I have to do a what save? A strength, strength save. Three. So seven damage. He had pretty much two of the worst rolls. Were those bludgeoning? Or slashing, I guess. Half of seven is going to be three? Oh, wait, sorry, I, I misread. Um, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical weapons. Okay, you're good. Never mind, that was seven. Oh, I forgot to roll my radiant damage. Hold on, wait, wait. All right, so I had another six. Uh, Alaris, your turn. So we're in a, the small room. Oh, it's a very large room. A very large room. But there's the tentacles that are coming from, like, the corner where the altar, or the big mushroom was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we're fighting, or the tentacles that are coming from above and below. We're fighting the Grick. Which is in the vicinity of the altar, but is not necessarily associated with it. Right behind said Grick, a large hand is going to rise out <laughs> of the earth nice. and just grab it. I imagine that being done of stone. A hand-shaped bit of stone rips itself from the ground and grabs the Grick. Yep, exactly. Would this like be disturbing some of the fungal colonies on the ground, too? So it's like... Fungi-covered stone. Like it's glowing? Glowing yeah. stone. He has yeah. to make a strength-saving throw. I rolled a four. Nope. So he's getting pushed back into this thing grabbing him. So it's going to take nine damage and be restrained. Merlinda, your turn. Uh, I'm going to set the Grick on fire. <laughs> Kill it with fire. That's how I feel about it right now. Does a 17 hit? You throw this fireball wide and it begins burning some uh, other fungal entities over to the side. Auric, your turn. Morlinde. I would like to make it my hunter's mark and loose an arrow at it. Thirteen. I shoot wide. What's Al do? That's a good question. There's a lot going on here. He has close range weaponry and doesn't particularly want to get close to this Grick. Assuming, assuming that he's still... Uh, at the same HP he was before, <laughs> like, assuming we didn't heal between last encounter, he's only got 10 HP, so he has drawn his Kukri, and let's say Al has readied an action, Okay. and if it gets close enough to him, then he will strike. Um, I looked it up. So attack rolls against creatures with that are restrained have advantage, and their attacks have disadvantage. Oh, hell yeah. Should I roll my attack again? You can't move, and his attacks have disadvantage, and our attacks have advantage. Yeah, Morlinde, give me your uh, advantage roll. Hey, that's the name of the show. Oh, well, I just uh, uh, got a, D, a natural 20, so. Uh, gotta find my other dice. Does that mean my fireball does hit? Yes, Sweet. definitely, Six, it, and it does max damage. Oh, so, oh, max damage would be eight plus eight plus some shit. Four. Uh, that's 20 damage. So you Kamehameha fire yeah, this Yeah, so thing. that's like a, a slightly larger fireball than usual. It's blue instead of uh, orange, and it's just... Uh, Auric, you suddenly find within yourself a second action. <laughs> a second chance to do this attack. 20. Yes, that will hit. Or is this using Oathbow? Yes, this is Oathbow, but I'm not using nice. my sworn enemy. Thing. I was just making sure that it was a magical weapon. Yes, it is a magical weapon. Oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. 17 damage. Morlinde, like, shot it with this fireball, and that caused its, like, maw to open up very... Mm. I, it has, like, yes. doesn't it have, like, yes. mandibles? 
Yeah, pretty much. Like, tentacle mandibles, like, yeah. four tentacles surrounding And a then beak. my arrow embeds itself in its open mouth, Love causing it. it severe discomfort. Behind you, Grimton, as your back is turned away from the altar, as you're uh, facing the grip, you feel tendrils reach out to try to grab you. Uh, you're going to be engulfed, my friend. <laughs> Uh, you are blinded, restrained, and unable to breathe. Give me a DC 14 saving throw by next on the next turn, okay? Just a saving throw? Yeah, yes. Um, and it's going to be Briston's turn in the meantime. Oh, well, he's going to try to hit it again. 19? Hit. Nice. Five. Herrick? Grimton will be fine. He's going to hit the Greek. Okay. That's his inner monologue. Like He's, he's dealt with worse. <laughs> <laughs> Crit fail. Grimton, you're restrained. Alright, I'm gonna try to hit the thing that's engulfing me. 20? Miraculously, wow. you're able to connect the Radiant Sword as uh, the altar fights back. All I can think about is that Banks album. 10 damage. Alaris's turn. I'm just going to have the hand crush <laughs> on the grip. Solid move. <laughs> it can make a strength, a strength saving throw. It can also make a strength saving throw on its turn to try to break out. So crush this thing. Uh, 14. So it gives it a little squeeze. It's a mild crushing. Huh. It's a small crush. It's kind of a hug. Yeah. It's a hug. It's like when you look at somebody and you close one eye and you like pinch their head with, with your fingers. Yep. <laughs> the Grig is hanging on, struggling to stay alive beneath the weight of the, the crushing grip and is Morlinde's turn. Set the Greek on That's the idea, yeah. except I'm not going to because I rolled a three. Do I still roll with advantage? Yes. 17 doesn't hit, so 16 doesn't hit either. Can't even hit with advantage. More fire is burning the fungi around you. Uh, Auric. I'm going to just shoot at the Greek again. Pew, 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 pew. Does 24 hit? Yes. Shoot. Hold on. 13 damage. That kills the Grick as it is being squeezed to death. My second arrow strikes it about three inches to the right of my first arrow. Oh, perfect. Thereby shooting through its mouth into its brain. Ooh. Good thing you had a stationary target the whole mm -hmm. time. Made it easy. <laughs> Grimton, are you okay? You hear muffled yells. <laughs> it's going to be Al's turn. Less afraid of the thing restraining Grimton. Al is going to run over and uh, try and cut Grimton free with this Kukri. First attack roll was an 18. I'll go ahead and roll the second attack roll. Second attack roll was a 2, so it does not hit. 7. Uh, Briston's turn. I guess he's going to... Oh, sorry, wait. It's, hold on, it's a Tendril's turn. Grimton, you're going to need to make a DC 14 con saving throw. It's 19. Got a lot of these endurance stuff, huh? And you're not the person to mess with with that. Well, Briston's turn. You should be messing with Grimton with, like, intelligence, like, puzzle stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. Well, I do get a minus one to intelligence, so... Well, as long as it's not rope-based. <laughs> Actually, I get it as a dwarf, I get a bonus... To any history check concerning stonework. That's oddly specific. Fun fact. Briston's <laughs> turn. Oh, he's going to attack the, the tendrils. Nine. Number nine? No. Herrick? 18 to hit? Yes. Two damage. Great. Just barely hacking at this thing, huh? <laughs> well, he is using a hammer, so. Grimton, it's your turn. 25. <laughs> Sweet. Six damage. He rolled. 
He rolled a d8 and a d6, both of which landed on one, and then, like, the remaining four came from his modifier. Wait, so what do you do? Barely any damage. I'm picturing, like, pinata style trying to swing at these tendrils, <laughs> and they're, like, moving as I'm getting closer to them. I'm still hitting some of them, but... With that, Grimton, uh, you were able to free yourself, and you fall to your knees in a prone position. Um, which is are two totally different things. I guess you fall to your knees and then land in a prone position. Uh, Alaris, your turn. Are we, do we still need to be concerned about the tentacles? Uh, give me a nature check. They're not currently engulfing Yeah, anyone. can we just run away? Um, eight. Grimton isn't engulfed, and the tendrils seem to be attached to this point in the structure. So if you could get people away from it, then you're good. Let's let's leave, yeah, guys. Yeah, can we retreat now? And I, I'm just going to walk towards the exit. I like that you walk. Come on, Grimton, let's go. Grimton is not the smartest person. <laughs> Can I just grab Grimton? Let's go. Sure, Morlinda, it's your turn. Grab Grimton. Hey, let's go. What? Strength check, or or persuasion, yeah. Or is she just going to roll against Grimton? Like, roll, <laughs> he's going to roll something? Roll grit. Roll bullheadedness. <laughs> bullheadedness. Yeah. It's going to be roll persuasion, dwarf. considering my strength is minus one, but my charisma is not that great either, so that'll be a 15. Grimton is aptly convinced that it, it's just best to go, to step away from this thing. Only just, though. Roll me a religion check, Grimton. Four. Is that with your trained modifier of a three? Yeah, well, I have a minus one to intelligence, so it's a two. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that seems like a fine plan to him. You're leaving, but you're unsure whether or not the altar itself was destroyed. Uh, if like destroying the the death cap was enough, or if you also need to destroy the tendrils. Isn't everything still on fire? Stuff is burning. I mean, well, we can just leave it that fire. way. No, but but Morlinde missed the Grick and it's accidentally true. set a bunch of stuff on fire it's around true. it. It's that, true. That, that pitch true. was retconned because we had the advantage from Alaris's. That's true. Oh. I feel like we would have been in more danger if the whole room was on fire, too. All real happily scampers away from the engulfing whatever it is, the tendrils. Yeah. So Grimton knows that uh, he would be leaving part of the altar up. You know that, like, the table part of the altar is done, but does the altar include the tendrils or are the tendrils a, like, attachment to the altar itself? That's enough for Grimton to, like, take another swing at this thing. Okay. All right. He's, he's hanging in there. You rolled a 19. Give it one more solid hit. 15? Uh, tell me what this last blow looks like. Nice. One of these things picks Grimton up a little bit off his feet, and he's closer to, like, the actual base of it, and he's taking the opportunity while he's up there to, like, plunge the sword into it and sort of, like, rip through the roots attached to the ceiling, and it brings, like, the, the tendrils down to the ground with him as he falls. So can we really get out of here now? Al says, is is this a normal Underdark thing? I don't know, but I don't want to be here. Let's get out of here. All right, let's keep going down the main road the way, the way we were already going, I guess. So you return to the King's Highway and are reminded of the shuddering doom that accompanies this space. This is still terrible. <laughs> we did a good thing back there, though. That was desecrated land. We, we fixed a problem. I hope so. Ulrich remains unconvinced that a problem was fixed, mostly <laughs> mostly because, well, like, 
you know, their their stance on like the gods and religion in general presently. So like, all they saw was combat that they didn't necessarily want or need. The farther down the tunnel you go, the dimmer your torch gets, as if it was being squelched by magical haze. Then the flame loses its color, and instead of flickering oranges and yellows, you see white and gray. Uh, you hear Brisbane whisper something to his brother. God's dream? And the short reply, aye. Though the torch is in your hand, you feel no heat on your face. Uh, give me a will save. Is that still uh, a thing? Did you say will? Yeah. 15. Or sorry, wisdom saving throw. Gosh, okay, sorry. there we go. 13. Um, nine. I rolled a 20. Um, everybody except Alaris take seven psychic damage. Jeez. Ow. While your body is losing its vision and sense of warmth, your hearing is overwhelmingly powerful. You hear everything. Every drop of water from a stalactite is cacophonous. Each footstep reverberates through the chamber until you hear only footsteps. The exchange between the Ormain brothers still echoes through the tunnel, whispering again and again, God's dream? Aye. Circling around you. I feel like this isn't a, a sensually overwhelming experience, and so Auric is sort of stunned into not even sure how to react. You hear now the clash of swords on stones and snippets of dwarven conversation and memories of draconic cries of fury. You look around for the sources of these sounds but see nothing, like literally nothing, only darkness, not even the colors of the torch in your hand. You can't even feel the weight of your body standing in the cave. Every sound is repeated over and over, continually echoing in your mind ad infinitum. Give me another wisdom saving throw. 15. 7. Oh, that much one. better. 19. Everybody except for Morlinde, you're going to take 10 psychic damage. You see nothing and are surrounded by stimulus. And then you wake up. Your face is wet, maybe from a cold sweat, and you're on your back, tied down on a, in a dim room. Your head and body are restrained. The only thing in your vision is a stalactite, a foot above your face, with a tiny, quivering drop of mineral-rich water dangling at the tip of the formation, threatening to fall at any moment. Then it lets go falling into the middle of your forehead. You try to flinch to move away, but your head is secured on the stone. You try to wipe your face, but your hands are also bound. The water trickles down your forehead into an eye, and the minerals burn, causing you to tear. You see another drop forming, once again on the stalagmite, trembling.
record. One, two, three. Next. Meow. My cat talking to us. That was Diego specifically. Aww. I saw Pockets earlier when he crawled up on top of the camera. That was Algernon. <laughs> that was not Pockets. Also, Pockets is a girl. You, yeah, I think it's always weird how cis-normative pets are. <laughs> this can't be the first time I've brought it up, but I met a cat named Queequeg one time. <laughs> and upon I'm sorry, what was that name? Queequeg. I, I met a cat named Queequeg, and upon bringing it up to the... To the owner, I was like, Queequeg, like from Moby Dick. Yeah. And he was like, what? And I was like, never mind. <laughs> Where else do you encounter the name Queequeg? I don't know. Because, like, that is That's straight up a Moby place. Dick reference. Yeah. I don't know. But hearing the cat named Aldernon reminded me of the cat named Queequeg. Uh, I, I asked Aaron earlier tonight, uh, would it be okay if I made one of my New Year's resolutions become a whaler? <laughs> I mean, isn't it legal now in Japan? Whaling is terrifying. I, they I mean, they like, just made it legal. legal so, everywhere. No, if you're not caught. Well, yeah, sure. it's like everybody used to be a part of the national, not national, like the international, like anti-whaling council or whatever. Um, but then, uh, just this year, Japan was like, "Nah, we're not in it anymore. Bye." <laughs> And they're like, going to start whaling this year, like like officially. Modern technology, I'm sure, has lessened the risk of whaling drastically. But, like, if it was just an iota what it used to be, I'd be like, hard pass, thanks. <laughs> I feel like I could get on with that sailor life, that whaler life specifically. There, there are other, like, sailor lives that you could accept that aren't whaling. No, whaling or bust. <laughs> go big or go home, literally. The, the Queequeg is also the name of the submarine in the Grim Grotto. Oh, I just fin- yeah. yeah. I just I finished forgot. the series of Unfortunate Events is last it good? Season, yesterday. It, it was really from... good. The whole, se- I'm, the whole I'm uh, show's been really good. But even that is still probably a Moby Dick reference. Oh, yeah. It is, that, that is a Moby Dick reference in the show, but yeah. that's where I've been hearing it recently. Neat. As in, okay. like, last night. Uh, doop, 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 doop. Hold on, hold on. Cool song, bro. Sorry, 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 sorry. Is the grit holding on to people? No, it's just barely no. alive. One That's second. Up. I gotta. Are you okay? Yeah. I want you to stop walking with scissors in my house until you are sober. Nature check says Joe's sleepy.